0: Storing memories to lose them again, you'll forget everything when this whole thing ends. You can't even predict what tomorrow brings, but don't lose track of living in the present. Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Bernari. John Deck is off this week, but in his place, everyone, please welcome back to the show, Fernando Bucago.
1: Fernando, take it away. Each week, we'll malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. That's right. And this week,
0: Dead or Alive, you're coming with me. That's right. We're watching Robocop from 1987, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, Fernando, you picked this movie uh, as... as when I reached out to you and asked you if you wanted to do this, you were like, yeah, let's do Rebel Cop." Um, what made you pick this?
1: Uh, because it's the best action movie out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's a it's a fun movie. And, you know, when uh, I saw this as a kid, uh, it, it was just my favorite action movie of all time. Uh, right up there with with Terminator one. But, you know, the older you get, and the more you watch it. I've seen this film a thousand times the more you start picking through the layers. I mean, this movie has layers, it's not just oh, yeah. a guy in a robot suit getting revenge. I mean, there's, there's stuff going on. There's metaphors, analogies, you name it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is—so to, to paint the picture, if you haven't seen it, Distillers, uh, this takes place in a dystopian version of Detroit, or as we call it now, Detroit. <laughs> Uh, there's a cop His, uh, his name is Murphy uh, He gets mortally wounded But he's just alive enough To get turned into a badass cyborg cop And then he has to break through His programming to discover Love? I don't remember
1: that part but <laughs> I, I think it's more not Well, sure, you can say love I mean, there was a love element there um, But it was more of discovering his self because that was that was the idea. The the, the, the programming dumbed him down. It it, it removed you know the, the, the human part of him, and then he just started- yeah, it
0: like took away his sort of identity, right? And he just he was RoboCop. RoboCop, <laughs> <laughs>
1: protect and serve.
0: That was a great. That, that's actually a really great uh, uh, great impression of RoboCop. Um, oh. and it, it's. That that's it's great that you could do that without being Peter Weller, like
1: <laughs> the great Peter Weller.
0: Yes, the great Peter Weller, who is is well loved. Um, he God, he has so many good roles, so but that's, that's uh, guru, yeah, I mean, the, the we could do a whole episode just on Peter Weller movies and TV shows, but uh, especially TV shows from like the last ten years. Anyway, <laughs> um. Yeah, no, you I mean, that that was a that was a good impression. But yeah, so um, there yeah, there's a lot of sort of metaphors, if if I remember right, of like sort of the, the corporate greed thing and like the um, kind of oligarchy starting up and things like that, or maybe existing. Like I don't I don't quite remember uh that well, sort of what those. Are, uh, but I, I remember like watching it sort of later in my my 20s and going man wow this is this is deeper than i remember like <laughs> I, I just remember this being like a a movie about a badass robot cop <laughs> like, right, like sh- right shooting people up and and uh, and for some reason i remembered matte black uh cop cars <laughs> that, that that's really <laughs> like the the two big takeaways that i i remember having from my childhood when i watched this in my 20s and then finding out oh wow there's way more to this movie than i ever remembered
1: it it's funny because a lot of from what i remember i mean you said it you said it in the beginning here it's it's supposed to be a utopian detroit but it's kind of like detroit today uh and uh you know when 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 i was a kid um the first thing that cracked me up were those news bits. Do you remember those those news bits from those, they had this news channel. This is something that Verhoeven, For, For, I can never pronounce his name correctly, Verhoeven wa, would do often in his films. And, uh, uh, I, and
0: I, I don't, but I, uh, I imagine they're probably like
1: so, almost tongue in cheek, maybe they were, yeah, they were, I mean, they were poking fun at a lot of, Just a lot of elements in society today, and and, uh, I I remember there was a commercial about a board game, but it was called Nukem or something like that. It was a family-style board game where you're you're (laughs) playing with your weapons and stuff. And then there was a car advertisement with a claymation dinosaur. But these were all funny, which is great. And then they would interweave it with you know true-to-form news that was relevant in you know the RoboCop world at that time. But the older I got, the more I realized, man, this is satire. This is satire at its best. I mean, their their media is churning out stuff that they that they um, they want you to look at society as. It's just it's weird. I it,
0: it makes sense because I mean, if you look at um, uh, Paul Verhoeven's uh, like resume, like he. He directed uh, Total Recall. He directed Starship Troopers. Like he's he's sort of known for that. So that that totally makes sense, Uh, especially from like the Starship Troopers angle. Like he there's stuff in Starship Troopers that is is like that. Like it's it's very almost on the nose, but at the same time, everybody's in on the joke.
1: (laughs) That's right. Well said
0: uh so i mean that's that that's kind of his mo i think mm-hmm. uh, but i think that we've talked about this enough maybe we should go and watch it what do you think
1: Ooh, i can't wait it's now, neither can i <laughs> decades since i've seen this thing so i'm oh, very very much excited
0: oh good so uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna pause here uh, Fernando and I are going to go and watch this, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about it. It's on HBO right now, so if you have like HBO Go or HBO Now, uh, you can jump on there and watch it. Uh, Fernando, I think you said you were probably going to rent it from like Amazon because you don't happen to have a hard copy of it, so you guys can get it there as well, or you could just Google how to get it because that's the thing. And uh, yeah, let's go watch this, Fernando.
1: I was going to suggest we could also walk into our local uh, Blockbuster video.
0: Oh, no. Ah, Part <laughs> of my childhood gone. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. All right, I'd buy that for a dollar uh we are back and uh fernando we were talking just a minute ago sort of off air and you were saying how this brought back so many good memories for you oh
1: man this was a blast to sit through and go through it everything from the music to just following the story i mean this this definitely took me back in time it's just a fun fun action movie oh absolutely um
0: like I don't remember the story being this good. Like they, there were parts that felt sort of hokey and maybe even forced. And you have to sort of suspend a little bit of disbelief with like the whole dystopia The in, in the way that it is like, uh, I feel like a lot of this while it's not as exaggerated has come to pass, like the over militarization of police forces and like corporate paramilitary organizations and stuff like that. But the, The overarching story, there were moments that felt kind of forced or or, or unrealistic or or unbelievable, but most of the story itself was solid
1: and like really well thought out and put together. It was, yeah, it was pretty contained. Um, The one thing that I never got when I saw this as a kid. Was uh, going to what you were saying about the, um, you know how it's uh, there were parts of if parts of this that were militarized, but OCP themselves were sort of a branch of the military. I mean, yeah, they had a military contract, um, and that was kind of the thing that you learn later in the film was the overall purpose of Dick Jones's um, uh, Ed 209 design. Mm-hmm. How he didn't really care if it worked or not. Um, it had some military applications to it that would last, you know, decades. And that's kind of right. what he was hoping to, to, to drive OCP to. But I didn't catch that as a kid. I, again, I, as a kid watching this, I just thought it was just a, uh, you know, good guy, bad guy, cop, criminal type. Shoot movie. him up action Shoot flick. Shoot him up action <laughs> flick. But it, it, again, there's layers and layers to it. And most people um, often, uh, the, 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 the metaphor that people Toss around when they think about RoboCop Is it's a G there's a Jesus Christ metaphor to this yeah <laughs> So there's a lot Going on with this story Yeah absolutely
0: um, <laughs> Let's let's break it down a little Bit um, the we, we Open up on this like news Bulletin bit which I thought was amazing <laughs> Because they're They're straight faced and they're matter Of fact but they're just like This is the news <laughs> Was, South Korea has nuclear weapons and they're you threatening to use them or whatever. And like it, it, the, the way they portrayed that news was very uh, al- it, it was flat and and almost true to life and almost believable.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> it and isn't it great how that's how the movie opens right there? It, it, yeah, it, it immerses you into that world. And it, it, you're right it has that exaggerate slightly exaggerated satirical kind of feel to it but when you compare it to today's our daily consumption of news today that's kind of what it is And you know we as a viewing public we've, we there's so much of that going on in the world that we're almost sort of desensitized from it mm-hmm. Um, And it's funny how they capture that back in the 80s when this when this movie came out.
0: Yeah but what, a, what a way to
1: open this up. <laughs>
0: Sure, yeah, and th- this was definitely ahead of his time in that regard.
1: Like, how did uh, Paul Verhoeven pitch this to the studio execs? Guys, this is how I'm going to open the story. We're going to open up <laughs> on on a news bit, <laughs> several news bits, chronicling what the world is like, but in a very satirical, you know, funny kind of way, and then we'll jump right into uh, you know our main characters. Sure, okay, we'll fund it. We'll we'll fund it for how much? One dollar not gonna
0: say that just yet but (laughs) well so i I think you're missing a step there though because the the way that it has to go is verhoeven is pitching it as (laughs) studio executives are doing lines and lines and lines of cocaine and they all go yeah absolutely let's do it here here's a blank check go and make this movie that is absolutely right (laughs) uh uh speaking of money the, the guy <laughs> buy that for a dollar bit is one of many many one-liners in this movie that i i felt played so well and landed so well like the, can you fly bobby
1: <laughs> i was just thinking of that i was just thinking of that <laughs> seconds ago poor guy um oh, what was the line oh i had wait the money doesn't the, the money is burned. It's useless. Oh, I had to oh, pull yeah. the door open. <laughs> so, already, his guys are expendable, you can tell that that uh, you can tell that right off the bat, his his men are expendable.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There there is no loyalty from their boss in this. <laughs> um, but like, you know, mind if I zip this up? Or you know,
1: dead <laughs> or alive,
0: you're coming with me. Or even just like bitches, leave. Like that's. Bitches leave all of these are just these great one-liners that work so well in the moment. It's just so well-written and yep. well-delivered. Like they had a great cast for this, which we're, we're going to talk about the cast in a little bit and sort of the familiar faces that we see, but <laughs> really just well done. What was the one that he said to the, uh, the receptionist when he walked into, uh, Uh, into Jones's
1: office you know fun fact that's his wife the actor who plays Clarence bodiger that's his real life wife oh no kidding so you're asking about the line and I vaguely remember it I think he says you know after this meeting my time is freed up um what say you fill me in or no squeeze me into your schedule but he kind of gestures down to to the obvious euphemism. Oh and,
0: uh, man. Now I got to yeah. find it because it, it really is a good line.
1: It's a great uh, line.
0: And yeah. it, it makes it that much better when you <laughs> find out that, uh, that she's his, in real life, his wife.
1: So his, his, his character, he's, I mean, he's this, he's a, he's a sleaze bag I mean, he's your cliche criminal, but he has so much charisma, you know, and oh, yeah. you, as much as you hate him as much as you do spoilers you know it it makes his death his final death that more satisfying so when you see him that much in character um saying a line like that in front of his you know his wife you could just only imagine when they when paul yells cut how much laughter is going on oh between the absolutely of- <laughs> so this is the
0: line it's Listen, I'm here to see Dick Jones, but when I'm done, I've got some free time. Maybe you could um, fit me in. <laughs> that was it. That it's, that the was way it. he delivers it and the look on her face
1: of like, <laughs> this fuck, fuck you.
0: Look. You know, it's just, oh God, it all
1: just works so great. It's so beat, great. Beat for beat, it plays well. Yo, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and going back to uh, one of the other lines that you said, you know, moments ago with uh, one of his other one of his other hooligans, his teammates, uh, he, he, mind if I zip this up? And uh, what was her name? Lewis. Uh-huh. She, she she waits for a beat and then she looks down. Why would you yeah. look down? <laughs> She's establishing <clears throat> dominance. Uh, I know. But they play that so well that that, you know, action reaction and that's what sells it you know moments like that and there's a lot of that in this movie
0: oh yeah it's it's i mean i keep saying it but it's really it's well written it's well directed it's well put together and i i haven't looked at the budget for this and i can't imagine it was super super ridiculous given the uh sort of what they were working with in terms of like sets and uh visual effects and things like that like i am sure they spent a fortune on the robocop suit oh just the suit and alone that's, that, that's probably where their entire budget went
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: but i'm like you can obviously tell that like the t- the, the ed209 is like superimposed in the picture mm-hmm. and you know i want to talk about the ed209 for a second how you spend millions of dollars in R&D on this killing machine, this military killing mach- machine that could destroy entire towns uh, in in minutes, but it can't walk downstairs?
1: You know, it's, it's funny. You just brought that up. That's actually a note that I have. I wrote a note. Based on that, I and it reads like this verbatim: the design of that 209 was never supposed to work in Delta City. Anyone could outmaneuver it. Just walk down a flight of stairs. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Go downstairs. It that's was it. Not, it's not practical. But but you know, Dick Dick Jones, uh, as conspiring as he was, I mean, there, there was a reason for that. Which was strange, too, because it's another thing that we don't we didn't catch, you know, back then when we were when we were kids watching this film was he had intentions. I mean, he was behind the scenes, Um, you know, they were they were, I guess, trafficking drugs or or just committing all sorts of, you know, just bad things. But um,
0: I mean in that regard, like they don't go super in depth into Boddicker's organization, but it feels like an entire crime syndicate. It's not doesn't seem like it's just drugs or just money laundering or just, just you know, embezzlement or whatever. Like there's a whole seems like there's a whole crime network in old
1: Detroit. Right. And I guess you can say you can argue one could argue that maybe Dick Jones is doing that. You know, he's currying favor with with the, uh, you know, with the bad guys just to, um, you know, help, I guess, clean or or keep them away from from Delta City more more so than than anyone else could, you know, by sort of working with them in a way. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not clearly stated in black and white, but you can kind of see how that may have been his intention overall. But, you know, villains, a villain. That's who he was. Yeah uh, Let's see. I love how, um, how they set the tone for the character. oh man, thinking back to the characters, they really know how to blatantly show you what they're all about in the first millisecond. So let's talk about Dick Jones for a quick second. You knew how uh, how uh, people were intimidated by him, just how people responded to, to him in the boardroom or in the bathroom mm-hmm. bathroom scene. That when, bathroom uh,
0: scene was fucking great.
1: W- it was hilarious. You had you know the guys they were you know using the restroom or using the facilities and then they they started to sneak out as soon as you know you you eavesdrop on um, uh, Bob Morton, you know, yeah, uh, talking about um, you know his or Dick Jones's style, management style, I guess. Uh, so they all clear out of the restroom. But that I mean, what a way to to set the tone of of you know how how uh, overwhelming his character is in a bad way. Uh, Nancy Allen, who plays the character Lewis Lewis. Yeah. You know, you first meet her when she's literally kicking ass. She's, <laughs> she calls oh, it yeah. some guy in a police precinct and she's kicking his ass. And sure. she, and she's a wild card.
0: Like she's, she's, she's no nonsense, but she, she doesn't wait for backup. She doesn't, uh, she 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 sort of plays by her own rules and knows that there's a job that needs to get done and she's if you if you equated it to like a a character class in a role playing game like in D&D she would be like the chaotic good <laughs> she's she knows that there's a job that needs to be done she knows that she knows what's right and what's good and she's going to do that and fuck everyone else that's right. <laughs> Man, going back to some of these characters or some of these actors in this movie, I mean, obviously, you know, you have Peter Weller, who plays uh, Alex Murphy and Robocop, uh, who I love Peter Weller in so many things.
1: <laughs>
0: um, and he's he's got a resume a mile long, but, like, he... Uh, he was in uh, Sons of Anarchy for the longest time. Uh, you know, he's done uh, a ton of really, really good. Uh, he, I, he was in Dexter. Like he's just done so many great roles uh, that it's it's hard to pin one down and say, yeah, that's my favorite role that he was in. But like he's fantastic in this. Um, Ronnie Cox, who plays Dick Jones, is great in this. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, Kurtwood Smith, who if anybody watched along and you were trying to figure out who Clarence Boddicker is in another (laughs) production, uh, go watch that 70s show. He is Red Foreman and he's amazing in it. He's everyone's favorite 70s dad. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: But Miguel Ferrer, who uh, or Miguel Ferrer. uh, Ferrer. um, he? uh, He played Morton. Uh, Bob Morton, you got Ray Wise in this. So there's so many recognizable uh, faces in this movie, and it, it, you don't think about it when you're a kid, and maybe even in subsequent viewings of this movie. Uh, but they
1: they had a good smattering of talent in this film, and they knew they knew how to use them. They knew exactly oh. how to use them for sure how to capitalize on their um uh, you know character tropes and talent and yeah. uh genius genius level uh, yeah. y- one more one more famous face you forgot to mention it was um i just thought of him it's the care um uh his name was Emil he was the guy oh yeah the famous melting man uh you oh, see the- oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, paul mccrain <laughs> uh paul McCrane. That's right, yeah, Paul McCrane. He was a regular on ER. Yeah. Um, I think he, I want to say he was a cardiologist or something. He had a role in ER in, for for a while. And it was strange seeing him in ER, you know, being, you know, a, a medical professional, but yet, you know, after watching Robocop, after watching his, his character in Robocop, and it was just so different,
0: <laughs> you know?
1: Thus is the, the true talent of an actor. I mean, they could just put on, you know, different... Um, different clothes and portray someone entirely different but yeah he was good no yeah he was great i mean
0: he sold that character like uh, to a t yeah you uh
1: you a college boy you a, can you can you dodge a bullet
0: <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you can you think your way out of a bullet can you think way- <laughs> so, a so something like that god damn yeah uh, god that's so great uh speaking of emil melty emil is my favorite emil um <laughs> uh, when he's all melty like you were just talking about he gets doused in that toxic waste and falls out of the back of his van yeah uh and he's walking around like the toxic avenger um the man, toxic so avenger so good pull. <laughs> <laughs> Going wow deep. trauma Going film deep. Cool. Uh, no like he just god that was such a great Use of prosthetic and, and makeup and all that stuff, man. It, it just oh, looks so
1: great. Jean, that's a that's a good point. Uh, makeup, the the prosthetics and the makeup were yes. they were amazing. They were stellar. The scene with um, you know RoboCop in the third act when he removes his, you see his face for the first time when he removes mm-hmm. his helmet. The way where flesh meets metal, it's so flawless you can't tell. You know, you, you you the the makeup is so flawless. It's it's really difficult to um to to, to decipher you know whether it's it's fake or not. It, it, they just sold it so well.
0: Yeah, um and, they uh, their their effects team did a fantastic job on that. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I would honestly I wondered if they won any awards for that because that's that Ooh, that was question. so so well done. I'm gonna look at that right now.
1: That's a very good question. I mean, he was impressive for when this film came out in eighty eighty-seven, 87. I think it was 80,
0: 88,
1: 87, uh, 87. Yeah. So um, pretty impressive work. So
0: there, there were a smattering of awards. Um, let's see, they were not, uh, Carla Palmer, who's the makeup artist in this was nominated for a BAFTA, uh, they won a Saturn Award for best makeup. Uh, they won a Saturn Award for best effects, special effects. So they, yeah, I think that's it for like effects and makeup.
1: Hey, but, it was it was convincing for me. It was convincing for the, any viewer that sold it. I mean, that's yeah. that's just as impressive. Yeah, honestly. absolutely,
0: hundred yeah. percent. So on <laughs> on robot uh, Robocop's first outing. Uh, as RoboCop, he, he gets his car and he's going around and he's stopping crimes. There's the scene where the woman is running from the two men who are trying to rape her. <laughs> yeah. And they get their hands on her and the one guy ends up using her as a shield. And RoboCop uses <laughs> his computer targeting system To shoot through her dress missing her body and (laughs) shooting this dude in the dick and oh my god he shot him in the dick i cannot believe that that happened i did not remember that from subsequent viewings but it was so good
1: (laughs) i guess um i guess she's lucky that robocop uh you know installed the latest software update that morning he got up you know because his targeting (laughs) system was on point (laughs) If he was (laughs) off by a few millimeters, that would have been a holy or holy an entirely different story.
0: Well, no, you're probably right, it would have been a holy different story. Pun intended. Uh, But um
1: funny scene because uh for me well, I mean that was the comedic part was shooting the guy in the dick. But what sold the joke even more for me was how like it seemed like he was so he as in Robocop was so completely devoid of compassion, rape victim runs up to him saying thank you thank you thank you and then he he's he spouts this line about you know calling a rape crisis center like it seems oh, yeah, like you've, you've been through major trauma yeah zero emotion there was n- <laughs> nothing human about him in his first outing um that was pretty funny
0: yeah it was and i obviously it's something that for all of bob morton's hubris he he was very meticulous in how RoboCop was designed in the fiction of this movie, obviously.
1: Correct.
0: Uh, but he he wanted this to be a more successful project than the E. D. Two Hundred Nine. He wanted it to be a major moneymaker for OCP, and he wanted to, it to put him uh, on on the map it, within the, his organization. Um, and that's one of the details that gets you there. Like when you're, if you look at it from a pro, like a computer programmer standpoint and you're tasked with a uh, or, or software engineer standpoint and you're tasked with writing a piece of software that does a specific thing um, you have to think about all the parameters that go into that. Cause uh, like a lot of times as a software engineer, you're, you're given precious little information. I want a piece of software that does this. And you say, okay, I can do that. And you write that piece of software. And sometimes you'll go, wait a minute, that that's not the whole story. And so you'll go back and revise and revise. Or maybe you'll get notes from your, your client or whoever's asking for this piece of software to revise this or to add that or to take this away. Um, so that's one of those things that, Somebody had to think of it mm-hmm. and right in in the writers room in the RoboCop writers room um, somebody had to think of that and In the fiction of this movie someone In the engineering department or on the engineering team or on the you know product development team or uh, the law team or something had to say hey this is the thing we need Robocop to be able to identify this and provide assistance, whether it be to take a person somewhere or to refer them to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that it's just a small detail in the, like in the much greater script and movie, but it's like, it, it's something that you just, how do you even think of that?
1: Like, it makes it it makes it more realistic, don't you think? I mean, uh, oh, going yeah, yeah, for sure. And you like you said they 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 thought of every every foreseeable um, angle they can think of uh, a, a scenario where Rob Robocop would fall into, and they programmed him uh, in, as such. So yeah, I mean it's it was very it was brilliant of the team to, the design team to uh, to get him to where he was. Um, I. <laughs> I keep thinking of his first-person point of view. Uh, that whole MS DOS, <laughs> it's it just sells. Oh, it pretty, like like know, like the BIOS and the boot sequence and everything like that. Right, right. Uh, the technical aspects behind it, and that was also the the, the coolest thing about um, about this story, about the movie is you know it, it, it's an origin story. Every origin story um, is is great because you know you see it from the very beginning, um, the, the the template. So. You know when they're when they're designing RoboCop from the ground up. It's really cool to see how they put it all together.
0: It is. Yes. Oh, so, sorry. Go, go ahead. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say because we were talking about Bob Morton. Did you know? Because I caught this one when, when I saw it again. Uh, Bob Morton says to to uh, ooh what is what is the CEO's name referred to as the old man? Uh, well, I can't remember his name, but he says to him after Ed two o nine so violently killed (laughs) the character Kenny, um, you know, after him dropping his weapon. Uh, And then uh, Bob Morton shows up with a contingency plan, the RoboCop contingency plan. He says that he can get the, the, the the RoboCop program jumpstart, kickstarted in the next, within 90 days. Mm -hmm. And how, how he already has, um, he selected prime candidates uh, from the police department to right. based on risk factors to fit that role as Robo it, to be the the, the Robocop <sighs> program. So it was it was almost as if he had a hand in 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 uh, Murphy's death from the beginning.
0: Oh, because
1: shit. He, he designed it in, in a way in or in order for him to to make this thing happen. And you get that from the very beginning. So when we're first introduced to Murphy, Murphy says he got transferred. Uh, to Detroit, and then you know the police captain asks him, "Why do you want to get transferred here?" I, I don't remember if it was the captain; it may have been one of the other police officers. Uh,
0: I, th- I think it was Sergeant Reed.
1: Was it Reed? Okay, and he didn't know why, but you know the job's the job; he'll he'll go wherever the job is. Mm-hmm. And Detroit is in sore need of it. And then yeah. you and then you hear some of the some of the dialogue from the other frustrated police officers, how they're getting killed out there, and they want to they want to have a strike. So clearly ocp who apparently you find out is managing the police department they're doing a piss poor job of doing it and so bob morton is behind all that he's he's purposely mismanaging it just so he can find the right candidate to 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 you know fill in the suit yeah wow and that's crazy and you don't get that when you know i mean, i didn't get i sincerely didn't get that when i was a kid but no absolutely not yeah so ocp you know i mean they yeah it's it's a it's a corporate empire <laughs> You're responsible is, for some evil yeah. deeds um
0: so the old man is just credited as the old man by the
1: way oh he is okay yeah right. I didn't uh, what his name
0: was no I, I i was trying to think of it too but it, it it was escaping me the entire time no i'm you you mentioned the the um the first person shots from murphy or from a robocop like the the pov shots mm-hmm. um one uh this goes back to the, the sort of detail in this movie like one uh particular use of this that i thought was done exceptionally well and and better than it was done better than better produced movies um he goes to like, it, it, he he's starting to get his memories back, and he like he finds out oh I'm Alex Murphy, not just RoboCop, and he's looking up you know uh, Clarence Boddicker and his old team, and then uh, the you know, he finds his file and finds out that he's deceased, and finds out his his former address, and he's walking oh. through the house and he starts having the memories, and, like there's there's the burnt up uh, Halloween photo. Um, great scene as as, as a just as as an example so you if you look at that polaroid of alex murphy and his family um you can see like where his son's holding the pitchfork and where you know where murphy would be standing and how Mm -hmm. he would be facing and things like that and then you look at where he's looking at the camera from behind his family. And it's almost, uh, it, there's no way that they could ever possibly get it a hundred percent on point, but it's the best use of that and yeah. getting it into the right place that I've seen in almost any movie. Like so. usually, especially for like flashback shots or, or POV shots or sorry, not POV shots for flashback shots or memory shots. Um, you're seeing it in third person and seeing the character who's having these these memories or these flashbacks. In this, you're seeing it in first person and you're seeing it as other objects would have seen it at the same time, like in in the case of the camera uh taking taking that Halloween photo. Um I just thought it was so like well thought out and and well executed.
1: The continuity department got a lot of high fives that day. They shot. That. Oh, they had to have, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good scene that you bring up. And that moment is is uh, it makes it better. Oh, it's so emotional that moment, you know. It was him trying to find out who he used to be or who he is, I guess. And yeah, Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, you know, I I gotta ask you. You, you said burnt up Polaroid. That whole counter had burnt products. Okay, so now the, the house is for sale, right? It's right. on the market and it's for sale. You see that from that digital real estate agent who's you know, strategically placed around the house. Uh, and Murphy's walking around and he gets to the kitchen and there's so much decay. Uh, and then you have the countertop where he finds the burnt Polaroid. But I gotta ask, if you're gonna put a house in the market, why would you stage it so you have a broken mug on the counter and you have burnt burnt products and m- m- just memorabilia sitting around on the next to the refrigerator. So I, I, I'm glad
0: you brought that up because I had thoughts about that myself. Here's what I'm thinking. So in this it, 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 in Robocop, it's assumed that from the perspective of 1987 this is some near future uh, where you know they have robotic, police officers and robotic real estate agents uh, <laughs> is it putting putting Fernando Bicago out of a job
1: uh, dear God no
0: <laughs> my guess is that this robotic real estate agent was delivered before the uh, the Murphy family less Alex uh, was done moving out And it's a scene that you don't see. It may not even be a deleted scene. It may just be an assumed scene. But um, she. uh, uh, Murphy's wife. Leaves the. Potted flowers. Or the vase of flowers by the fireplace. uh, Has all these things. That are just too painful. To take with her. uh, When she and her son. Move away from Detroit. And burns them on the counter or burns them in the sink or burns them in a trash can and dumps it on the counter or whatever. She's just frustrated. Yeah. Um, Cause most of the rest of the house looks okay. Like it looks like it's been uh, just moved out of and who knows, maybe a cleaning crew is supposed to come through or something like that. But
1: I think that, that yeah, that's what I think. You know what? That's, that's acceptable. And you know what? i buy that for a dollar. (laughs) That's an acceptable theory. (laughs) So I I mentioned
0: uh, a little earlier about some of the things that were sort of hokey or unbelievable or unrealistic. Um, One thing in this movie that, that I feel sort of falls into that category and was kind of a common trope, I guess, in... Uh, in these sorts of movies back in the eighties, was just how much they hate glass. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: because um, they break all the glass in this movie. Um, holy shit! Windows getting destroyed. There's um, a lot those of little, those little vials getting stepped on. Like they the heroin hate vials. the yeah. shit
1: out of glass in this movie. Oh man. Um, yeah, the one who got it the most was uh, Clarence Bodiger. Yeah. Getting thrown. Getting th- he got around. thrown
0: through like four windows. <laughs> That's right.
1: OCP uh, runs the cops. You're yeah. a cop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glass is, uh, you know, the amount of glass you just referenced, I feel, I feel like that should have been in the credits. I think glass should have been played <laughs> by glass.
0: Glass or, played by glass, provided <laughs> glass- by... <laughs> uh detroit glazers inc (laughs) yes (laughs) yep yep um
1: you know i have another one to fall into that category of yours uh this is something ridiculous the amount of rounds in his gun oh he never changes mags and in the scene with the uh, the shooting gallery scene when it's when he's first introduced to mm-hmm. the to the to police department and everyone's just kind of in awe. Who is this guy? And he's firing and firing. And if you look at the, the 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 round counter on the on the side, it because I, I made a note of it, it it read over 140. 140 rounds.
0: <laughs> so the only thing that I can think of that would restore continuity to that plot point. Uh-huh. Is that he has ammunition in his arm?
1: Okay, all right, you're reaching, but okay, <laughs> I think I, you know, I think I'd buy that for fifty
0: cents, not a dollar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but okay, uh,
0: it's uh, I, it, it's really hard to to justify or, or to to explain that away because I mean, it's it's a pistol. <laughs> And it's not like it has an extended magazine on it. It's not like he's using some kind of specialty rounds in it. And hes it's a burst pistol. Right. That surprisingly has no recoil for him, uh, <laughs> even though he's robotic. But Right. Uh, yeah, that one was a little
1: hard to swallow, I think. It, I mean, you know, for any gun, regardless of whether the ammo was fed through his robotic arm, Anthony, but come on, there's finite number of rounds here and you not yes. want to see him reload, but you know what? It's okay. It's I'll buy it. Yeah. For a dollar. For a dollar. <laughs> You've convinced um, me to spend 50 cents more on that. So no. <laughs> I, I'll settle for a dollar now. Um, there's another scene in this that
0: I, I liked. Um, I, I liked how it was put together there. When the, uh, the Lieutenant, and and pretty much the entire police force show up uh at the OCP building to take down RoboCop. Uh it turns into this like Frankenstein's monster situation. We have this sort of angry mob in the form of the 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 human cops, the the all organic cops uh versus this RoboCop. And he's he's almost helpless in the situation. Uh, and, and manages to escape, but not unscathed. And I, I like it, it added an element of humanity to uh, to a character that you already a felt bad for because his memory had been wiped, but b felt worse for because he was starting to regain those memories.
1: Yeah, he started to become more human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what's what's funny is um, you know that's that's a great scene that you pointed out. Uh, he. RoboCop is defined by those three or four directives but he starts to become more human when he starts to regain his his memories bit by bit so it's almost like he's growing beyond those just those four um, um, directives is that he's you know um, that he was just programmed for and um, you feel as a viewer start to feel very sympathetic for him Especially when he finally tries to capture what the hell happened, you know, to, to his to his former life, and then of course, you know, the the, the the police squad they they start shooting him down, and they're so the the, the filmmakers were so detail oriented, capturing that human element of him of his of his quote unquote suffering, you know. Yeah, there is a shot I remember where, and if you, I think it cuts to a, uh, his visor, uh, there's a there's a his visor is chipped in a way where you can see his eyeball, and I think it cuts to his eyeball
0: mm-hmm. that
1: for a split second where you you don't see. He's looking at the police, um, you know, with guns drawn on him. But he's you see his um, close up from you see his eye, and yeah, it just, yeah, like his visor busted open, yeah, yeah. And you feel I mean I I felt even more sympathetic for the guy, like Jesus, you know, like not well, yeah, because you see panic in that eye. Yeah. Oh, that perfect. That's you nailed it right there. That's exactly what you see. And I, that that was obviously intentional from, from Paul Verhoeven.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, it had to have been. But it, yeah. it, it was it was intentional on, on Paul Verhoeven's part. It was well played and, and well executed on Peter Weller's part. And it, it worked so well with the scene. And it added that extra layer of something to this movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. I want to jump to the, the sort of final couple of scenes. And then, uh, if you have anything else, we'll, we'll touch on that before we start wrapping up here. Sure. Um, so we had that final, uh, fight scene with, uh, with Boddicker and his team versus Robocop, uh, slash Murphy and Lewis. Um, shoot 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 explosion 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 uh you get down to Murphy versus Boddicker and uh Boddicker says or Robocop and <laughs> Robocop uses his like data spike in his hand <laughs> to pierce the jugular of Clarence Boddicker and you get these great spurts of blood <laughs> um, yeah. and like it's By the way, blood effects in this movie. Holy shit! Could we have more fucking uh, squibs? More blood squibs in this movie. (laughs) I don't. We didn't get enough blood squibs in this movie.
1: Uh, The the amount of blood squibs were rivaling the amount of glass that was also.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm sure it was like squibs versus glass, like countdown (laughs) board somewhere. Like uh, all right, fifteen more squibs. Up two more windows. Up seventeen <laughs> more windows. That um, was it, that was great. But uh, smash cut to the boardroom at OCP. You have Murphy walking in, saying, "Hey, Dick Jones is responsible for all this stuff." And the old man says, well, "What proof do you have?" And he he gets his spike out his data spike and it still has blood on it oh yeah <laughs> and i'm like I, I, so i watched this with my son and i was like oh my god he goes dad that still has blood on it still has Bonnaker's blood on it i'm like i know that's a great detail <laughs> um
1: again you know you got to give high fives to the continuity department for that one they really yeah, uh, they were on point but they that's really a good
0: touch. do like g- g- good on them for sure but so then you have, you know, uh, Jones, you know, is using the old man as a human shield. Uh, the old man says, Jones, you're fired. Uh, Murphy's like, thank you. And shoots, uh, Jones out the window, which Johnson, by the way, loved.
1: Uh, <laughs> Johnson talking, was like, Oh yeah. You're talking about his, his up Yes. <laughs> his yeah. Uh, I get a kick out of that every time I see it, his reaction.
0: So you have Jones falling out the window, and I had a problem with this. Jones's arms are so (laughs) weird when he's falling. They're like, it's Uh, like so poorly animated.
1: I have a note on that too. I made a note. All I wrote were, all I wrote was this. Death, or uh, uh, I'm sorry, Dick Jones, death, arms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it bothered me. Like it was almost disturbing. Yeah, it was. Gargantuan, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Like, ridiculously, like, Slenderman-length arms. Slenderman. That's a good reference.
1: Um, uh, that was a great touch, how the old man, he knew he knew what director four was, and he knew that the only way to really defeat Dick Jones is, well, fire him.
0: Yeah, get him out of OCP, and then he's not protected anymore. You're
1: fired. <laughs> and why is it? Why do these terror—I shouldn't say terrorists—but when when a guy like Dick Jones holds the old man hostage, he first thing he does is he asks for a chopper. Uh, there was a scene before where there was a there was a uh, like a councilman, a councilman, right? City hall. He was holding the staff there hostage, and he was asking for. And this is another funny thing. This goes back to your. Um, the ridiculous category that you created, um, the car that you see a lot in this film, the, the car 6, that's six
0: thousand SUX,
1: SUX. That's what I brought up. The 6,000, they call it the 6,000 SUX, but in essence, that's the, That's the joke. It's, it's, it sucks. It yes. goes really, really fast and it has shitty gas. Mileage. <laughs> but apparently it's favored. It's the big thing in Delta or sorry, not Delta city, but Detroit, um, in fact, I'm surprised that Dick Jones didn't ask for the 6,000 SUX. But
0: eh. uh, I'm sure it was beneath him. <laughs> Fernando, what else you got?
1: There was a clever shot um, I kind of wanted to bring up. Uh, going back to the uh, to the rape scene, there's when when RoboCop saves the girl. There's a billboard. Can, can, sorry, can we call it the
0: attempted rape scene? Because oh yeah, the, the rape scene sounds almost snuff film esque and i'd rather not venture into that realm
1: you're right you're right yep okay (laughs) let's go back uh
0: so in that oh no we don't need to go back because i'm keeping that in here i just (laughs) want to make it known to the world that i'm not a fan of the term rape scene
1: none of us are let let it be known none of us are and i and let it be known on record i'm not either um but in the in the background, there's a billboard that says something like uh, Delta City. The future has a silver lining. So that that shot was really cool because in her case, the silver lining was RoboCop showing up. I mean, uh-huh. liter, literally and I guess metaphorically. But but that was kind of cool. I don't know if that was intentional by Paul Verhoeven or if it was just one of those accidental sort of or happy accidents that they happen to capture in in frame. But I thought that was kind of, kind of cool.
0: I did too. And I, I don't, I don't know that it was intentional, but I can imagine that it was given the sort of tone that you get and the, the, the kind of uh, tongue in cheek things and, and the, the way that certain jokes land and the way that, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, one step off satirical tone from the the news bulletins and things like that like i i I feel like uh that almost had to be intentional and and that that like your interpretation of it had to be at the very least close to the intended interpretation of that
1: would you dear anthony would you say that you would buy that theory for a (laughs) dollar i i would i would buy it For a
0: dollar.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh man. Ah. Um great film. It is a great film. (laughs)
0: Um those were all the notes that I had. Do you have anything else, Fernando?
1: From N209 to the car. Um Yeah, no. No. I think we've hit a lot of a lot of good points here. I think
0: we have cool well then uh fernando i just have one question left for you before we wrap up absolutely so this obviously is a movie about a robotic cop uh, what is your favorite android or cyborg
1: character you know, I feel like you're setting me up for the answer that you probably already know. <laughs> and that is Terminator. <laughs> Terminator. 1984's Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, which to me felt more like a horror film than a than an action movie. Well, I think and it I- was
0: intended that way, right? Like,
1: it had to be almost. I think you're right, yeah. I mean that, that's what I felt. I mean, I, watching it today, I still get that feeling that that um, God, he was so villainous, you know. But um, yeah, it felt more like a like a like a horror movie, a lot darker than RoboCop. Although RoboCop has a lot more n- metaphorical levels in, within the story and so forth, a lot more depth uh, and some meat to chew on. But Terminator was pretty. I, I felt it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh there is one thing I wanted to, to to add. I love how this film ends. It after killing Dick Jones, the the old man adjusts his tie and he, he says to he, he asks uh, to uh, to RoboCop, "Hey, you know what's what's your name? What's your name, kid?" or something like that. And he just responds, "Murphy." Done. Credits. I mean, yeah. what a way to end it. What a way to end that story.
0: And it's more than just his answer. He he says Murphy, and he smiles. Yeah. And he walks away. That's right. So, like, hey, he's getting his humanity back, and maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel for this guy. And I don't remember RoboCop's 2 or 3 at all, so I don't know if that's kind of how it goes or, or if that or that gratitude
1: from the old man stays around or anything like that, so... I vaguely remember the sequel it's not worth remembering in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but the the old man's view or or feeling of RoboCop is very very altered and it's I just I never understood I never got that and uh which is why I I choose not to include it in in the RoboCop storyline or the RoboCop world so
0: is RoboCop 3 better than
1: I don't think I. You know I've never seen Robocop three.
0: Oh, okay then.
1: Well
0: Then then let's leave it as Robocop. Period. (laughs) Um, Cool. So uh, oh sorry. Usually on these shows, I answer my my own question after uh, John or in this case Fernando does. Terminator is definitely a strong runner for first. Um, I do love me some data, though, uh, <laughs> Mister Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, that's a good one. There's there's plenty of great ones out there, but we'll we'll go with uh, the Terminator, the T800 for Fernando and uh,
1: Data for myself. Oh, uh, you, I, I was I was hoping you'd reference Vicky from from a uh, small oh, from wonder.
0: small wonder oh my god <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh uh, you should have you should have picked her yourself <laughs> um no oh, v- vicky's a great one too that's oh wow that's a pull <laughs> uh,
1: deep, band-aid it for that, that cut <laughs> uh
0: all right that is our show everyone i want to thank you so much for listening uh we we love having you guys each week um and i want to thank fernando bacago again for coming on the show and sitting in for john deck uh who will be back next week we have a tasting room episode coming up so that'll be exciting uh we answer your questions and read your comments uh we had some good ones this time around so uh stick around for that uh fernando what do you have coming up you uh, you had a movie coming up that is not yet released right not
1: yet it's still uh it's still in the uh, uh editing phase um but uh not that much longer so i'll do the best i can to keep everyone in the loop with the progress um but uh when it's when it's when it's out oh it's gonna be good so
0: yeah let let me know when that's happening and we will for sure announce that on the show and see if we can get you guys a little bit of traction that way as well.
1: Fantastic.
0: Um, I, I'm excited to see it. I would love to watch it. Uh, so yes, please absolutely let us know about that. We'll do. Uh, cool. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening. um, you can catch new episodes every Monday uh, on your favorite podcatcher, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or any of the tons of different uh, podcast apps out there. I think we're on iHeartRadio now uh, and a few others. So we're out there. Uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, tell your family about us. We'd love to, for you guys to uh, to evangelize on behalf of the memory distillery uh you can also uh follow us on facebook facebook.com slash the memory distillery uh keep an eye out there we have some polls coming up soon uh for our october movies uh we're gonna do some very halloween centric movies in october <laughs> and so we would love to have your guys's input on what we should watch and what we should review uh, you can email us your suggestions, your comments, your questions at the memory distillery at gmail.com. Also, uh, John usually does this, but I'm doing it this week because John's not here. Um, you guys listen every week. You hear our intro music and our interlude music and our outro music. Those are all parts of the song, uh, destroying the evidence by the band Semaphore. They're a very cool band uh it's a great song comes off of a great album uh go check them out for sure um once again want to thank you fernando picago for being on the show and for
1: standing in it was a pleasure it was fun
0: <laughs> it was fun it's always great to have you on i can't wait till we can have you on again uh great so uh once again i'm anthony Verneri.
1: and i'm fernando picago and this has been the memory distillery Again, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: your move creep